and welcome to the Rock and Roll Football Euro special podcast. He's Matt Dyson. And so am I. Get in. (laughs) Oh, it's so exciting. This podcast recorded just before Wales kick off against Denmark. So if you're listening to it after that game, we don't yet know the result. No, it's exciting. It's getting real now. The Euros is going to start really kicking on now. Uh, now we get into the knockout stage. Yeah, I do. You know what? I, I do like the fact it's effectively a tournament in two halves. The group stages bit is lovely. Yeah, it's nice because there's just lots of football, so you can spend your day watching lots of different games. But then there's not really as much pressure, whereas now things will get interesting. Yeah, and the group stages is like if you have a fortnight holiday, group stages is like the first week where you're not counting down to when you're going home or anything like that. Right, it's just like, yes. Oh, yeah. there's so much time ahead and it's yeah. all just fun and there's still chances to get yourself out of it. And then the final week is like, oh, my God. It's almost like a different tournament. You're like, this yeah. is now... There's you've qualified basically for, you know, the Champions League or something. It's almost like a yeah. tournament in two halves. It's like we really must make the most of the all-inclusive bar today because it won't be here next week, you know. Wake me up early every morning. I need to eat as much food. I need to get yeah. my money's worth out of this holiday <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm going to start drinking pints at 10 in the morning in between the five <laughs> bacon sandwiches and the macaroni cheese that have piled oh, up. Oh, yeah. And all these other little cakes. I don't even know what they are, but just bring them to me. <laughs> just shove them in. Come home after holiday. I needed an holiday to get over the holiday. Oh, yeah, I know. Knackering, wasn't it? You do a boozy holiday. Like, you do come back. It is hard. Yeah, you shattered. do feel worse, worse than when you went away. Yeah, the first true. day back at work, you're like, I've been drinking for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've come back from a festival or something. I yeah. don't feel refreshed at all. Yeah, I feel absolutely shattered. That's what you should have. If you have a lads' holiday, you should have a post lads' holiday holiday with, with some sensible people to get over it. That's the ideal situation. Yeah, I know people that go away after Glastonbury, but then you're like, aren't you then just doubling the problem? Well, yeah, yeah. Because you're just true. running away, man. Oh, it would have been Glastonbury this weekend, wouldn't it? I'd oh. have been there. I'd have been You'd there. You'd have been there. Oh, no. And then I'd have got back just in time for the England-Germany game. Oh, the Glastow on gout can't be good, though. You, I think Ooh. you picked a good year to miss, really, haven't you? Goutstonbury, more like. <laughs> 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 I'll save that. I, I'll say that to Michael yeah. Evis next yeah. year. I'll say. Hey, uh, yeah. Year. Put that in your act. You can put that in your yeah, act for You should it. say yeah, that yeah. on the Goutstonbury. You should yeah. say that, yeah, yeah. At the, in the Bouillon tent. Yeah, you know, oh. you've got to go down a storm. <laughs> oh, a pint of Bouillon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm making a soup tonight, actually, when I get home from oh, this. Yeah. And I should oh, be nice. using, uh, Lovely. What are you going for? A bit of boot. Seasonal veg? Yes, as always. Yes, just veg <laughs> with either a bit of brown rice or a bit of pasta in it. Oh, very nice. Mm. To bulk it out slightly. Yeah. Got myself some dark chocolate as a treat. Oh, very nice. Might watch Lovely. a horror film and scare myself silly. Oh, nice. And how's, how's the big toe? How, how is it? The gout is okay. Um, I'm allowed to drink once a week, so I coincide that with England games. Brilliant. Long may that continue. Um, yes. Obviously, by next, if England are through, on Saturday we'll be building up to England's quarterfinal. Oh, that'll be amazing. If not, oh, then well, we won't. Believe. We'll be well, on, but yeah, we'll, uh, we, England yeah. won't be mentioned. <laughs> yeah, we won't be mentioned. How hard is that going to be next oh, Saturday? Like, good, yeah, oh, oh, this is really going to affect the rest of our run of Euro shows, isn't it? It is. Um, well, enjoy this podcast. This is We're kind of just got bogged down in small talk here but it's been very pleasant <laughs> know, a yeah. pack show but full of legends guests galore Ooh. guests galore big names huge names from the world of football we got cammy we got hoddle and in the words of the health secretary we got seaman <laughs> <laughs> brace yourselves it's time for the rock and roll football podcast Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson building up to the Wales-Denmark game at five o'clock. And of course, looking forward to England-Germany on Tuesday. And it's live! Matt, Matt and you. Rock and Roll Football. Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. I've got a massive show for you. Guests coming up today including David Seaman and Glenn Hoddle. Oh, big hitters. Big yes. England legends, heavyweights, Dyson. Nice. Talking of heavyweights, Matt yeah. Dyson. <laughs> yes. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Yeah, very, very excited about England, but more excited, and of course about Wales, more yeah. excited to see how you preview a show that 
has no football in it. <laughs> Here we go. Yes, yeah. It's going to be tough, let me tell you that much. But, uh, yeah, there is no red-hot Euro action actually happening yeah. during the programme today. Sounds dodgy, that, doesn't it, still? Uh, more sort of pre-match build-up for the huge Welsh match in the last 16. Bales, Manbun and the boys are in Amsterdam to take on Denmark at the Johan Cruyff Arena. But can the Red Dragon fly on to the next round with a bunch of daffodils in its claws and a leak between its fiery teeth. Eat enough space cake at the grasshopper and you can end up seeing just about anything happen in the Dutch capital. So this is not beyond the realms of human perception today. 140,000 Formula One fans can go to Silverstone next month, but no Welsh supporters are allowed to fly out to the Netherlands for the game due to the UK's difficulty in dealing with the Delta strain. So it's going to feel like a home game for Denmark later. Welsh manager Robert Page says they are ready for a battle and the gloves are off. Hopefully he will still be wearing a face mask though as at least one form of PPE is required. England don't play until Tuesday evening 40 of course against their old rivals the Germans and Gareth Southgate's side will have to improve if they're going to get better as Steve McManaman put it on ESPN this week. (laughs) Wise words. Ed Sheeran played a small gig for the squad while they had their dinner at St George's Park the other night. Not sure what this set was for. Some kind of punishment for failing to score against Scotland perhaps apparently Harry Kane sorted the gig out more successful at booking live music acts than he is in front of goal at the moment let's just stick Ooh. Michael Evis up front on Tuesday and see if it works both ways uh, perhaps not <laughs> uh, on, the, on that same evening Gareth Southgate also apparently showed all the players a video of him missing a penalty against the Germans at Euro 96 what a fun night it must have been no wonder they don't see very upbeat and excited when they get out onto the pitch just leave them alone to play Fortnite in their rooms, Gareth. That's all they want to do. It's all they care about. So we have the rock. We have the roll. We have the prospect of more football to look forward to. Fordy is fired up and ready for action, like Matt Hancock getting ready for a clinch with a colleague in a corridor. Let's have some rock. Let's have some roll. And let's have some football, shall we? Yaki da. Superb! And a lovely bit of satire at the end. Oh, yes. Mm. I hope it doesn't paint a horrible picture of you in the people's minds. Surely now, surely now, after all the stick that Matt Hancock has got, he cannot survive a rock and roll football (laughs) roasting. Surely he has to go now. The final nail in the coffin. The final nail. Let me just uh, say to to be like, uh, Matt Dyson, who is accused, I don't know who exactly was accusing my uh, colleague, uh, Matt Hancock, of, uh, but it's, it's almost certainly the sort of thing that I approve of. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. The Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. Wales-Denmark kicks off at five o'clock. If Wales win, of course, they'll be in the quarterfinals. We really hope they do. I mean, are they the favourites in that game, Dyson? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people around the world want Denmark to win. That's what the Welsh are saying. They like being the underdogs, and everyone's second team at the tournament is Denmark. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I think I think they are the underdogs. I'd be surprised if Wales won. The under-dragons. The under-dragons, but... Be. I'm looking forward to it because it's nice to watch a home nation play and not get stressed out and really just get find it really stressful for the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, I like to root for the other home nations because then you do get that advantage of it being players you know and people you like, but it's yeah. not your home nation on the line, so it does make it a bit easier. England, yes. Germany on Tuesday, Dyson. Oh. And do I detect from your opening gambit that you're yeah. a, a little bit down on England? Well, I mean, look, last time, last week, we did the show after that goalless draw with Scotland. Um, yeah. And I, you know, we beat the Czech Republic, but I didn't do wonders for my confidence. Why the not? One nil victory. You know, I mean, I, d- I didn't get into football to watch clean sheets. I don't get excited by clean sheets. I want to see goals. I've heard. And we've only scored two. <laughs> don't make a joke <laughs> about my clean sheets, Fordy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just look. I just want to watch some free flowing attacking football where we score goals with gay abandon. And I, I never get to see that in a championship week in week out. I never get to see it in international football. It just depresses me. But don't you want to see England win? Isn't that the first priority? Isn't everything else secondary? Yeah, yes, I suppose in a way. I mean, if this works, if this tactic works, this defensive style works and we win, I suppose I'll be pleased. But I don't know. I'd just, I'd just rather see some excitement on the pitch. Text us on 8-12-15 to cheer Dyson up. Uh, whether you're 
an England fan or not, but give us some positivity here because Dyson is down on it. I don't think we play a defensive style, by the way. I think we're well organised, mm. but England go forward. They don't always score, but then they're capable of defending as well. We're hard to beat. No one has scored against us. No one scored. No pick for seven a good tournament. That takes <laughs> some sort of heart from that. I mean, yeah, that is good. I mean, yeah, we are. I'm sounding a bit spoilt, to be honest. You are. You, know, you sound like a real uh, brat. Yeah, Daddy, brat, I, want, I want free-flowing football for Christmas. <laughs> yes. Don't you dare get me a defensive footballer. Clean sheets aren't enough. I don't, like want two, I don't want two defensive midfielders. You're like Drew Gasol. All attacking. You're like Drew Gasol. Dyson, sweetheart, darling. There's only five players that can play free-flowing football and the old ruddy world's hunting for him. Oh, no. I can see social media Nelson putting my head on the body of Veruca Salt as we speak. And I can't wait to see it. Daddy, I want a creative midfielder. That's what you sound like. Daddy, I want a high press. That's all I want. Uh, uh, I won't be happy till I've got it. He was a bad egg. Kicking you into shape. It's the Rock and Roll Football Podcast. I've just... Dyson, it just occurred to me, actually, that I've become deeply superstitious over this tournament. I don't know if you oh, have. Oh, right, OK. What have you been doing? So, I now wear the same outfit to every England game. Oh, right, and um, you're going to Wembley for a lot of these as well, so this is more important than what you wear, I think. So, I've, I've been very lucky that I've been to every England game so far, and I should say I bought tickets for two of those games just off people who follow me on Twitter. Yeah, um, Gary amazing. and Andrew, I'm very grateful to them for getting me into the Croatia and the um, Czech Republic game. For the Scotland game, a mate of mine had a spare, so I was able to go, my friend Michael. So I've been very, very lucky that I've been able to go. So for the Croatia game... I wore the blue away, sh- uh, um, the blue away shirt away. Why yeah. can't I say that? <laughs> blue, blue away, blue away shirt. Roy Hodgson's coming here early. It's not your slot yet, Roy. Well, I'll tell you what I like it. Blue away shirt with a wet quest. Which blue away shirt is it? The current one. I like to wear the current one. Yeah, the current one. Oh, nice. I like to feel that the boys on the pitch will be affected by it. You know, they always see the Italian idea. You know. 96, they might think, well, what about our ill Yes, that's Which not living the past. Which is our ill yeah. to their time, you know, <laughs> white ill, white now, you know, not back then, back, you know, whenever. Uh, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so I wear the, so what I wear is the blue current away shirt, I wear a pair of jeans, um, red Puma trainers that I bought the other week, Ooh. black socks and blue boxer shorts that have a red and white trim. So they're kind of wow. like the most Union Jackie ones I could find, I guess, <laughs> like in my mind. I didn't buy them special, just in my drawer. Anyway, okay. I also bought an England flag. Now, th- get, listen to this, right? So I, I've, I've worn the same thing for every mm-hmm. game that I've been to. I've been to ev- all three games. Yeah. I forgot the flag for the Scotland game and we drew. Oh, that's why we didn't score. When I have taken yeah. my St George's Cross to Wembley, England have won. Every time. Wow. 100%. And is it on a stick or do you drape it over your shoulders, this flag? I just drape it over my shoulders. I wave it in the air when we score. I keep oh. it on the seat beside me. Wow. Um, yes, I haven't put it on a stick. I just sort of have it there to just sort of wave around. Okay, nice. Wow. Well, so, keep doing it. Keep doing it. We need you to keep doing this for us. Yeah, so I, I've now, I don't know if anyone else has got any superstitions. Text them into 8 12, 15. Is there anything you've been doing to bring Scotland, England or Wales luck? Um... I don't know if it worked, but now in my head I'm like, well, that is now a lucky flag. And, you know, I was on Wembley Way without the flag, and I thought, oh, no. Yeah, no, so you no, knew no. that was the moment we knew we wouldn't score against Scotland when because, oh, you forgot your flag. Yeah. So oh, if you have any superstitions and if there were... By the way, people getting in saying, look on the bright side, Matt. If Ooh. we just keep winning 1-0, we're European champions. Yes, that's true. And, you know, we are on a decent side of the draw, I must admit. I mean, if we can beat Germany, then it's I love that. If we can beat the multiple (laughs) world champions, then the tournament really opens up. Because it's like either Sweden or Ukraine after that, and then potentially, like... Wales. uh, One one of Wales. It would be amazing to play Wales (laughs) in the semis. (laughs) (laughs) In your blue, blue Uh, away shirt, yeah. To play Wales in the semi-final would be the best, most exciting day of possibly ever for international football in this country. It would indeed. Um, so, text us on 81215. If you have any superstitions, is there anything we can do collectively as a nation to make sure that Wales win at five o'clock and that England win on Tuesday? You're listening to the Rock and Roll Football Podcast.
Next week, you could win up to £1,500 thanks to Ladbrokes. Listen to Ben Burrell every day from one. If you think you know your football, then all you need to do is answer a few questions and the cash could be yours. It's easy. At ladbrokes.com, you can play five-a-side every day of the European Championships. Pick your formation, select your players and be the boss this summer. For more information, for another chance to win, head to absoluteradio.co.uk and I'm delighted to tell you that in a few moments' time we're going to be joined by David Seaman. You're listening to the Rock and Roll Football Podcast. In the week I spoke to ex-England goalkeeping legend David Seaman about the Euros and what it's like to be at a major tournament as an England player. Of course, he played in that game against Germany at Euro 96 and experienced a penalty shootout. I began by asking David, the psychological difference between playing in the knockout games and the group stages. Weirdly, you feel under more pressure in the group stage because when you look at the teams that you're playing against, you know you should qualify. And if you don't, that's where the pressure comes. You know, when when you look back at Euro 96, we started off with Sweden, then we got a draw. Um, so we were under even more pressure going to the second game against Scotland. When it becomes knockout, you feel it's like whoever's, whoever turns up on the day and... And if you can beat your best on that day, you've got a great chance of like obviously qualifying and then getting through next, to the next round. And the group stages is definitely more pressure. That's really interesting because from a fan's point of view, you'd almost presume that the knockout games bring a bit more pressure. But like you say, I guess you go into them. Once you've reached that phase, you, you back yourself to get a job done. So for England now, looking at the, the rest of this tournament, I mean, obviously there are still some very big teams in it. But I mean, do you... I mean, I realise this is a very big question, but on England's day, given the talent we've got, could we beat any of these teams? We, we certainly can. We are good enough. But the thing is, is like, if we play like we did against Scotland in the knockout stages, we're going out. Yeah. Um, you know, because it, we didn't perform. You know, it's, it's frustrating when you see performances like that. But I'm glad we've got that one out of the way because now we just need to be like, a little bit better than that and then keep progressing and keep getting better and uh, yeah the knockout stages are brilliant so you know, I'm really looking forward to it that Scotland game obviously it went a very different direction to the, the one in 96 it was a very different game of football Scotland sat tight on England they played with a back five basically England was sort of prevented from playing football but with the attacking options England have you think well we could have created some I guess we created a couple of chances but do you think the, the occasion got to England or was it just that Scotland were really good at frustrating us? I think it was both. Scotland were, were definitely better than I thought they were going to be because I had England down as a 3-1 win quite easy, but it wasn't like that. Um, and then, like I said, we, we had an off day. We could have lost that game, but we're, we're through now. So we're happy going into the knockout stages where all you need to think about now is winning. You know, it's not about drawing or not points anymore, it's about winning, you know, whether that be in normal time or on a penalty shootout, you know, it's just about getting to the next round. I mean, a penalty shootout is never, I mean, obviously against Spain in Euro 96, you were the hero of that shootout, you and Stuart Pearce. With England now in penalty shootouts, obviously we beat Colombia on penalties at the World Cup. Do you think this England team, I I don't want to use the word psychologically stronger, but that England penalty problem feels like it belongs to a different time now, or, or, or am I wrong? No, I hope you're right. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it belongs <laughs> to a different time. Because like you say, we, we got that off our bike. You know, Jordan Pickford, you know, you've, got, you've now got a new goalkeeper that's actually won a penalty shootout for England. It, before that, it was me, which was like 20-odd years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, as much as I, I wanted to stay that guy, I'm now happy I'm not that guy. <laughs> well, you've got your podcast out as well, David, called Seaman Says, where you get ex-England teammates on to chat about the Euros. What are some of your ex-teammates saying? They feel the same. They feel the same as in... Because I've had, I've had Gazza on, I've, I've got Paul Lynch coming on, I've had Tony Adams, Stuart Pearce, Lee Dixon's going to be coming on. Um, you know, they all feel that, that we are capable of winning it, but we don't know what, which England side is going to turn up. You know, is it going to be one that just plays free-flowing football or is it going to be the one that gets all nervous? The Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. As you can probably hear, it was an absolute treat talking to David Seaman. And I asked him about his former teammate and current England manager, Gareth Southgate, who has the chance to avenge the Euro 96 memories on Tuesday against Germany. He's great because he, he was a teammate, you know, he was... A really good player, not the best penalty taker in the world, but <laughs> still a really good player. Did, did I did I think he was ever going to become a manager? No, because it, it didn't seem that sort of character for me. You know, 
But, you know, he was always tactically very aware, very eloquent, and, and that's exactly what he's doing now. You know, he's, he's, I love his press interviews. I love the way he's been an England manager now, and it's just great to see. He's done a fantastic job, and I think he's he's done so much. You know, whatever happens next, he has done more to move England forward, it feels, than really than, than any of his predecessors since perhaps, you know, maybe Glenn Hoddle, that it feels like the Southgate era has been a huge leap forward in the sort of football we play and the sort of things we can expect again from an England team. So he's been, he's been a transformational character in a really positive way. I guess for England fans and for people like yourself who've played for England, it feels like there's such an abundance of talent now, particularly in that front part of the pitch that... It feels like if we don't do something with these players, almost like we're never going to get a chance ever again. I know, I know, I know what you mean. Because like we're going way, way back, you know, twenty-five years ago to Euro '96, the England fans fell in love with the England team again. You know, because before that we were a bit in the wilderness, and I think that's exactly what Gareth's done again. You know, with the World Cup in Russia, the England fans loved it. He's got a great bunch of lads. He's got so much quality and so much quality that will be on the bench as well. You know, and I know exactly what you mean by that. You know, if it doesn't happen now, it's hardly ever going to happen. But, you know, I, I want to be around when England do win a trophy because that's going to be some party, I tell you, in England. Could you feel that pressure as a player? And, and did the tabloids have any effect? You know, we talk a lot in this country about the pressure that we put on the England team. Does it ever cross your mind? Do you think, oh, God, you know, if I don't save this, I'm, there's going to be effigies of me all over England? The worst time is before the game because, you know, your mind starts playing tricks with you and gets a little bit negative sometimes or it can get positive, but... The only time that I have actually felt, you know, like what you just said about, you know, what's going to happen and with effigies and stuff like that was after I let the goal in against a certain Brazilian. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it was, um, you know, I was actually on the pitch thinking that. And I was thinking, no. oh, am I, going to, am I going to get treated how David Beckham got treated in 98? You know, and that's that's the sort of thing that went through my mind. But luckily, the England fans, they forgive me. And uh, when we, we landed back at Heathrow, they were all singing my name, which was a, a great relief and, you know, a, a really big moment in my uh, in my career. Yeah, and it's not something you want on your mind during the game, is it? I mean, w- I mean, obviously, we, we remember the goal. Let's not go over it. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it did go over my head. <laughs> <laughs> David, we are loving the Seaman Says podcast. It's great hearing Brilliant. you talk to your former teammates and it's great to have you back on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Cheers, thank you. Matt, Matt and you. Rock and Roll Football. Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. Now, there's a brilliant clip of Jack Grealish doing the rounds. Have you seen it, Dyson? Yes, the uh, the encyclopedia one. Yeah. yeah, so if you haven't yeah. seen it, this is Jack Grealish. Um, fair play to him for being honest. I love this. Mm, yeah. Dyson also says you're an encyclopedia of football. Where does that come from? A what? An encyclopedia of football. I don't know what that means. I mean, to be fair, when Mm. was the last time you heard, like, encyclopedias were used? Since the dawn of the internet. I suppose, yeah, before, you know, before he was born. Yeah, he he only knows Wikipedia, doesn't he? Which was like an encyclopedia before the internet, you know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I bet when Jack Grealish goes on uh, the internet, Wikipedia's his first stop. (laughs) self-respecting young lad doesn't uh, go straight to Wikipedia in private browsing mode. I know. (laughs) Yeah, He had to, I mean, Faye, we used to work with Faye, and she did a very good job explaining what an encyclopedia was, but he just, he'd never heard of it before in his life. It's quite quite astonishing. Is that fake or others? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's gone proper viral, hasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, yeah, at, at least he was honest. Instead of pretending to try and style it out, not knowing what an encyclopedia was, he because just admitted actually, it. Yeah, th- yeah, we've all got words we don't know. Obviously, you, that's how learning works, is that you find out new stuff. <laughs> I found out recently I'd been misusing a word. I thought mortified meant uh, uh, like a form of deep embarrassment. Oh, rather than oh just it does, doesn't it? Oh, I thought it meant deep embarrassment. I thought it meant, like, sad. Well, no, it means sad, doesn't it? I thought mortified was, like, if it Mm. was kind of... 
Yeah, like really sad because you've done something embarrassing. Is does that is that not what it means at all? Then no, no I think yeah, mortified just, mortified. just means like really upset. Just, uh, oh, but no. I thought there was an element of shame and um, yeah. like embarrassment to it. Yeah, it feels like there is. To be fair, but maybe there's not. No, you mentioned. But it turns out there isn't. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really put my foot in it because someone had passed away, and uh, they were talking about their wife, and I said, "Oh, she must be mortified." And. Uh, I can't remember. Basically, I, I misused the word in a really bad context, and it did not go down well. <laughs> Someone's like, "Why would you be mortified?" I was like, "Well, you know, I think uh, I, I, th- I think I used it badly. I used it. Oh I, dear. I used a word in a bad way, man. It was, oh, it no. was terrible." So, in honour of Jack Grealish, text us on eight twelve fifteen. What words have you either misused or had to have the explanation of, um, effectively, the definition of? Explain to you recently. Do you have any Dyson? Um, there, there's certain words I just can't say, no matter how many times I try and say them, like uh, see, um, I can't even see a man, see a man me. You know those little things that live Cinnamon. in the sea? Cinnamon, no, see a man, see a man Cinnamon Graham's. See, see oh, well, I have to look it up. I'll what you on about? See, you know, see anemone is what they call. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what they are? There's little, no. like, little sort of cactus things that live in the sea, like little sea plants. See, and if I don't say it really slowly, I cannot say the word C-N-N. Right, okay. I've got no C-M-N-M-E. idea what... If you've got any idea what Dyson's on about, text on 8 It sounds like I'm saying I want to go and see the enemy, the young band from, from Coventry, but no, I just can't say the word at all. Okay, well, what words do you struggle with? And have you had to have a word explained to you recently? Eight twelve fifteen. The Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. <laughs> seen a text it says salubrious i thought it meant sleazy <laughs> <laughs> salubrious oh, salubrious nice. house you've got there <laughs> thank you wow. salubrious is like posh isn't it like a salubrious occasion is it yeah is that what it is salubrious it's a nice word to say, isn't it? You know what? It makes me really... I can hear you Googling it, by the way. I, I am, feel yeah, I am. Shrek hands <laughs> thumping away at that keyboard. It's <laughs> like Barney Rubble. <laughs> pleasant, <laughs> pleasant, not run down. A salubrious area. Yeah, nice. I used to think insipid meant something completely different. I used oh. to think it would suggested like a nastiness yeah. thing, like, oh, you know, oh. like, um, you know, like a, an unpleasant individual. Yeah, yes. Like with, with bad intent, but I think it just means like weak, doesn't it? Almost like tasteless, oh, yeah. you know. Like a watered down, is it? Yeah, I think I think it means like yeah. When you have really watered down squash, it's insipid. Yeah, it? go, oh, it's yeah. a shame because insipid sounds like it should be a nastier thing. Yeah, it does. It doesn't really work well, does it, for that one? Well, why, yeah. can't, why can't it just be? Why can't it mean what we want it to mean? Yeah. Well, sometimes words do evolve and they they move on to mean other things, you know. Uh, but what really annoys me is when people still call the Premier League the Premiership, because it hasn't been called the Premiership for about 20 years, but people still say it. Oh, here comes the snobbery. Snobbery It's just getting the name of the league correct. But hold all. on a second. I, still c- I don't call League One League One, do you? Yeah, so no, I do. Yeah, League One, or, yeah, or the third tier of English football. Yeah. I call it the third division. Oh dear, I refuse no because the thing is, I can accept the Premier League and the Championship. I can't accept putting one into the name of something that is in the third thing. <laughs> like, are we all meant to be collectively fooled and go, oh, League One, they must be quite good. That sounds great, yeah, League Number One. Yeah, it must be the best one in the country. Yeah, because the French one is basically League One, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it must Ooh. be the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Oh, you know what? I, I mean, there's nothing... Like, football ones are the worst, actually. So texting any football ones, eight. 12, 15, when you've got the name of a football team or manager. Ooh, I remember being yeah. in a... You know what? I, I remember exactly where I was. I was in a pub in Surbiton before the England-Italy game in Euro 2012, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And a mate of ours called the uh, Italian League Serie A. Oh, it was like an immediate. Oh, it was immediate. Embarrassing. It was like, it was like <laughs> a spell was cast upon the castle. It was like in Beauty and the Beast, like the whole conversation turned to like stone gargoyles. People on other tables were like, "What are you doing here?" Oh, no. Couldn't come back from that. Doesn't matter how many stats you quote after that. Or, no. Oh, I remember being there in 1984. You just called it Seria A. It's Seria A. You must now School leave. <laughs> Kicking you into shape. 
It's the Rock and Roll Football Podcast. All week you've been texting us and tweeting us at R&R Football the things you'd like to hear Roy Keane or Roy Hodgson rant about depending on who comes through in this seance of the living. So, shall I hand you over to Matt Dyson? <laughs> OK, yeah. Uh, John Hopkins wanted to uh, said that somebody spoke to him for six minutes. The nerve of the man. What a liberty, he says, because uh, Keno was ranting about that <laughs> earlier in the week. Oh, yeah. Also, <laughs> he said that, uh, yeah, that Mason Mount shouldn't have had a chat with Billy Gilmore for longer than five minutes because he never talks to anyone for longer than five minutes but I think we'll put this one to one of the Roys if you could summon them now Uh, Dave wants to know simply what Roy thinks about people who hog the middle lane on motorways people who are in the middle lane even though they're not overtaking Oh, well, oh, I have to say, oh, I don't look as dimly upon it, perhaps, as my fellow countrymen, and indeed women. Uh, I, I can understand why people do it, you know, because if you stick it to the precise walls of the motorway, in and out of that left-hand lane, because there are some very, very slow drivers, juggernauts, haulage men, and indeed haulage women, a caravanners and the like. <laughs> so if you stick to the street wall, you are in and out of that left-hand lane. And after a while, you think, well, I could just stick to the middle right. And I'll tell you what, it is a lesson to how tyranny starts. Because it's amazing <laughs> on the motorway how quickly you can justify things to yourself. You go, well, it's different for me. All these other people in the middle lane are different, but it's different for me because I don't want to be going in that left-hand way. So, <laughs> and then, uh, then, well, uh, how does anyone know it's different for you? And everyone else is there thinking it's different for them. Yeah, and you've got yeah, people in the yeah. fast lane going very far. I don't agree with people who break the speed limit, by the way. They're very well, dangerous behaviour. Everyone yeah. modern cars, you think, well, oh, quite, you know. <laughs> but, in the end, we should all abide by the laws of the world and, indeed, the wider land if we are to live in a functioning society. So, I'm... I, 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 after this, Matt, I have to tell you, I'm going to be a better man now. I've reflected on my middle way behaviour. <laughs> oh, but it is, isn't it? Oh, you know, I say, but it is, you said that, done. Because I tell you, the next time I'm in the middle lane and I'm looking at the left end lane, I thought, well, I'm going to come around the juggernaut. I'm going to be in and out. <laughs> <laughs> what a nightmare, indicating people are waiting you out. I'll just be in the middle lane. I'll be, I'll be a flipping hippo quick, man, what are you? <laughs> The Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. It's Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. As you know, we love all things football here, so if you love football, and especially Newcastle United, you need to listen to the new episode of Cammy's Supporters Club. This week, Chris Kamara talks to Gabby Logan about her love for the Toon Army, and she picks the songs which remind her of trips to St James's Park. Get Cammy's Supporters Club podcast in the free Absolute Radio app, through your Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And the man himself, Chris Kamara, joins us on Rock and Roll Football after this. Matt, Matt and you. Rock and Roll Football. This is Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio. We're delighted to be joined again by the legend Chris Kamara. Cammy, when we spoke last week, you were telling us that we should be positive and you were absolutely right. We're now through to the knockout stage as we face Germany on Tuesday. How do you feel about our prospects now? Uh, Well, the perspective slightly changes in our favour, I have yes. to say. We were expected to win all those group games, and we did. We won two, drew against the Scots, didn't concede a goal, and only scored two goals, Raheem Sterling. Now the perspective changes in terms of we are now playing a team that's been our nemesis since 1966. Since that time, they have had the Indian sign on England. When you look at the players that they have, Neuer, Hummels, Gundogan, you know, they've got quality. You know, uh, Cruz, they've got players who can hurt us. But we haven't seen the best of the England players. There's no doubt about that. Why do you think Germany has had the edge over us so many times, particularly in close games? And obviously we think of Italia 19, Euro 96, two big semi-finals where it goes to penalties. Now, maybe they were just better at penalties than we are. But is there something else to it? Is there something that the Germans and the other teams, you know, Italy and Spain had it for so long, Portugal seem to have it. There's an edge that they have. Is it just that they have better individuals? Or is there something in the national makeup, in the way that they run their national team, 
important that gives them the edge in a way that we haven't been able to find, perhaps until fingers crossed, maybe this tournament. There is something in this fixture, and that's why I say it's a big, big incentive for those players to look forward to this game. Against Germany, it's one of those, as a player, they will be focused, they'll know the whole country is watching. They can't let themselves down individually and they can't let the team down. And so they'll be inspired. Obviously, the you know, you can't guarantee the result in those circumstances, but you can guarantee a performance and that's what we'll get. So Cammy, what's your prediction for Tuesday night? Oh crikey, <laughs> well, you asked me that last time. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. Uh, I did say 2-0 and we won 1-0 against the Czech Republic. Yes. I did say 2-0 against Scotland and we won <laughs> one there. Uh, it was sorry, we drew 0-0. Uh, nil, nil. Uh, you got the nil so, bit right. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to go with the 2-0. You know, the one thing about this Germany side is they are inconsistent. So we are seeing... You know, play really well in one game, and then the other two games, certainly the Hungary game, they could have went out of the competition, really could have gone out. They went hell for leather in the end and ended up getting the equaliser late on and looked decent. But I just think, you know, it's written for us. It's time we beat the Germans. Uh, we're at Wembley. You know, home soil, I think, will be enough. 50% of the crowd will be in there. Give the boys a lift. Come on. Yes, Cammy! It's coming home! Come on. Oh, man, Cammy, it's always such a pleasure talking to you, mate. Thank you so much. Oh, a pleasure, Matt. And fingers crossed, I am talking to you about the quarterfinals next time. Oh, week today. <laughs> the Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. Well, as well as David Seaman and Chris Kamara, we've also got Glenn Hoddle coming up on the show. I spoke to him in the week, and he's as insightful and as brilliant as you would expect. And we are going live, sort of, maybe not really, to Amsterdam, which is this week's host city, ahead of the Wales-Denmark game. Matt, Matt and you. Rock and roll football. Wales play Denmark in an under an hour's time. It's very exciting, that second round game. We obviously all hope that Wales win. It's being played in Amsterdam. So this week, the penalty shootout quiz oh. is live. Oh. You like that? Yeah, yes. It, oh, it is a bit Dutch, yeah. It's pretty Dutch, isn't it? Yeah, you you had your doubts by the sounds. Of <laughs> I did at the first, but then it sort of kicked in. Yeah, we can verify. What is it? The yeah. Oh yes, very nice. Very yeah, I'm Dutch. There. I'm there. I can see the tulips. Yeah. So just in case you don't remember how it works, this week we're in Amsterdam because Europe, you know, Euro 2020 is being hosted across the continent. So you don't have the host city, you don't have the host country thing. But we're bringing right. you that every week by being in a different host city. This week we're in Amsterdam. And a penalty shootout quiz. I'm going to put three facts about Amsterdam to Matt Dyson. One of them is real, two are fake. You've got, In an, fact, encyclo- you've got an encyclopedic knowledge of European capitals, you, haven't you? You've also said you're an encyclopedia of football. Where does that come from? A what? An encyclopedia of football. <laughs> I don't know what? <laughs> Actually, you know what we should do? I'm going to read them out and then I'm going to tantalise because I want people to text in. See if they know. Oh, okay, yeah, good, yeah. So here you go. Option A is this. Mm-hmm. This could be a fact about Amsterdam. Amsterdam is known as a city where the illegal is legal, but it's also a city where the legal is illegal. So Ooh. what things are illegal in Amsterdam? Here's one for you. Baked beans are illegal <laughs> in Amsterdam. <laughs> What? The reason no is way. they weren't initially sold as food, so couldn't be regulated in the same way. In the <sighs> mid-1800s, British grocer Percy Brewbaker sold them as a novelty <laughs> gift in his joke shop next to Amsterdam's respected Phallus Museum. The Amsterdamian <laughs> authorities banned the beans, believing them to be a sick British prank designed to wreak havoc with Dutch bums. They're still illegal to this day, and failure to comply can be met with a fixed penalty notice. Because in Amsterdam, 
Beans means fines. <laughs> That's a great line. But that true? <laughs> Could that be true? Here we go. Option B. Anyone remember Oxford Landing Circus? A brief sponsorship deal between the wine company and the tube led to a brief rebrand oh, of the station. Yeah. And it's not the first time an iconic place has compromised its name for cash. To celebrate the launch of his pioneering satellite phone, Alan Sugar paid £300 million, that's over a billion in today's money, to rename Amsterdam Amstradam for the day. (laughs) (laughs) The stunt involved Sugar posing at various landmarks which had been lit up with the word Amstradam. (laughs) <laughs> and him handing out maps to wasted tourists at various dingy hostels. In retrospect, he could have done it anyway without technically renaming the city. And ironically, the city authorities invested the £300 million from Sugar into their future internet project, which helped make Amsterdam the most mobile-friendly city in Europe, rendering Sugar's satellite phone totally useless. <laughs> wow. Option C. Amsterdam is a city of canals and boats, but it's not just human beings who enjoy a boat ride in Amsterdam. So, too, do the animals. As an annoying colleague at work might say, cat boats are, like, literally a thing now. (laughs) Poesen Boot is a houseboat full of stray cats in Amsterdam. As the only one of its kind in the world, this boat full of stray and abandoned cats is run by volunteers. To many, this sounds like their idea of sheer hell. Sharing a boat with an animal which makes your eyes itch and seems oblivious to the needs of human beings. But remember, (laughs) this is Holland and these cats are chilled out and behave more like nice little doggies. So, which one of those is true? Is it option A, baked beans are illegal in Amsterdam? Is it option B, Alan Sugar paid to have it rebranded as Amsterdam for the day? Or is it C, there is literally a canal boat full of stray cats that travels the Amsterdam canals called the Poetsenboot? Text us now on 8 12 15 with the one that you think is true, A, B or C, and we'll get Dyson's answer in a sec. The Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. The goalkeeper is on his line. The referee just having a word with Matt Dyson who's going through some breathing exercises. Wow, yes. So which is the true one? Is it the beans, hmm. is it Amsterdam or is it the cat boat? I mean, I wish Amsterdam was real, but I've discounted that. I think also that beans aren't illegal. They're just decriminalised in Amsterdam. I think it's all about having beans with the intent to supply. Uh, so I'm going with uh, I'm going with the cat boat, as are most people who've texted. He scored! Yes! Well done! Spotted it home. Amsterdam sadly um, made up. And <laughs> as far as I'm aware, beans are legal. I just made that up. So yeah. even your logic oh, nice. of them being decriminalised was... You know, <laughs> yeah, valid. Wrong. But, I mean, who knows? <laughs> if it turns, it could be one of those things where it turns out they are illegal in Amsterdam. Yeah, uh, well, do let us know. We'll are beans illegal mm. in Amsterdam? Eight, twelve, fifteen. <laughs> so it's the big today's big debate on the <laughs> football head of the Wales game. Everyone who texted in got it right. Um, yes, someone says the yes. cat boat has to be real, as I'm sure I've seen it. Ooh. But I may also have been off my head. It is Amsterdam. <laughs> It's a fair point, isn't it? Yeah, fair point. There'll be people at home going, I told you that cat boat was real. (laughs) So you've done everyone a huge favour today. Nice. Matt, Matt and you. Rock and roll football. Earlier in the week, former England manager Glenn Hoddle joined me for a chat about the Euros, but I started asking him about his memories of France 98 and that game against Argentina. Yeah, it was yeah, it was quite an emotional way that we we went out as well. As you say, we had some wonderful moments there. Very very strong squad, technically good strong squad. Reminds me a little bit of the squad that Gareth's got now. I've got to say, but yeah, it was lovely to see Michael burst onto the scene um, with that goal against Argentina, and it was ifs and buts, isn't it? Yeah, but wonderful memories and a proud moment for me leading the team out. It's interesting you draw the parallel with now, and I'm sure other people have said to you this during the tournament. I was 16 or 17 watching these games, but I remember the pressure, or certainly whether you felt the pressure or not is another thing, but certainly there was a clamour from some of the tabloids to get Beckham involved in the tournament a bit earlier, scores that goal against Colombia. Was that a pressure that you felt as manager? Or when you're England manager, do you think, well, they're always going to call for these kind of slightly more attractive players, and it's my job to, to do what's best for the team? 
No, it's exactly that. I think that's the answer, Matt. I think you, you, you're always looking at the team and that's what Gareth will be doing now. You put the team first. You're not going to do anything on your own as a, any player on their own. It's a team effort. That's the pressure of being England manager. I think it's quite interesting. Gareth's experiencing that. He did it in the World Cup and now he's doing the Euros and I did it in one World Cup. For six weeks or so, you're the most important person in the country. You're more important than the Prime Minister. You've got everyone's hopes on your shoulders. But I think, you know, you have to knuckle down and make those tough decisions yourself. If you're listening to too many people, you'll never make a decision. So uh, it's, it's a pressured time, but an exciting time. And what's the logic then? So say, let's draw, if there is much of a parallel between, say, Beckham in 98 and maybe Grealish at this tournament, where everyone's like, I'll play Grealish, you know. You obviously, as England manager, see a lot more of the players. You get more of a sense of who's fit and who isn't. And, and maybe you have a philosophy about the way the team, you want it to play. You get a sense that some players need to be introduced later in the tournament. So with Beckham, was it a fitness thing? I can't remember now. Or did you no, think actually... You didn't no, need him in those earlier games. No, it was a different scenario with David. There was a lack of focus there. There was something going on in his personal life. That I, you know, and I said to him, I sat him down. I said, look, David, you're going to be playing in this World Cup. There is no doubt about it, but I need you. I need your head right. And this is what your example you've just said there, Matt. You know, you're with them every day. You see them. And, you know, I knew that I would be bringing him in the next game. And, and that's what happened. It was against Colombia. So, yeah, you're, you're, when you're working with them, you're seeing them in the training ground, you're seeing them around the hotel, you, you know them inside out to a certain degree. And that's the difference when you're an England manager. Is at tournament time, you become a club almost for a short mm. period of time. As an England manager, normally they go back to their club and you're just leasing them out to a certain degree. So you don't get to see that. And I think that's where Gareth is at the moment. Now he'll, he'll be looking at that. And also don't forget the opponents that you're playing as well. Sometimes you'll have a you have an eye on a certain player, a certain style of uh, tactical uh, system that might suit a player to play your opponents as well. You've got to knock them out. You've got to you know win whatever game it is against whatever opposition. And I think England will adjust. They have that capability of adjusting. The Rock and Roll Football Podcast with Matt Ford and Matt Dyson. Rock and Roll Football on Absolute Radio with a very special guest I spoke to earlier in the week, Glenn Hoddle, telling me all about managing at major tournaments. And here's what Glenn had to say when I asked him about Gareth Southgate's selection headaches. Look at uh, the greatest story ever would be when we won the World Cup with Jeff Hurst. Jeff Hurst didn't start. He didn't think he would be playing that much. And suddenly, you know, the rest is history, what he did. So that's a prime example to all these players that are not maybe playing at the moment they might be the very key players that could end up winning a tournament. So what you're saying is Jaden Sancho to score a hat-trick in the final? Well, that would be nice. Or even, you know, he might actually be brought on to, to take a vital penalty in the knockout stages, something like that. So you've always got to be ready as a player and you've always got to keep your mind open as a manager. You're working with Green King now. You know, when I think of those years that you were England manager and I watched all those games in the pub and there were pints everywhere and Sol Campbell scores and it takes to, about half an hour to realise once everyone oh. had calmed down, the goal had been ruled out. Oh, dear. Don't um, me of that. Matt. Sorry. Yeah, all these, <laughs> there were lots of happy times at France 98 as well, of course. Amazing. But yeah. do you now, you know, when you can watch it in the pub and, and, and the atmosphere that people have now with, you know, the sort of tellies people have and, and when, they, when they're all together... Can yeah. you enjoy it a bit more now if you're down the pub watching it on a big screen rather than being on the touchline? Or is there a part of you that always yearns to be there? Well, you, you go back to being a fan again, don't you, really? And, and I think it's lovely, particularly, uh, Matt, with what's been happening, you know, in this last sort of 16, 18 months. My word, it's been dreadful, isn't it? And mm. to think that you, if you can't be in the stadium, it's great to have the stadium fans there and the atmosphere against Scotland was great. But if you can't be in the stadium, I think the second best thing is to get that atmosphere at this moment in time, to go to the pub now. The club fan goes out the window and we all become one supporter of England. I think it's fabulous. You know, you're all, you've got that banter, you've got that atmosphere that, that we've all been missing, quite frankly, in football and is needed by the fans. And it's, it's wonderful to be able to do that. And on a Green King research thing recently, two out of five people love it. They love going to the pub more than actually watching it anywhere else. So, you know, I think that's a really good thing for the team as well, that the country get that spirit back, like they did in Russia. You know, when we went to the semi-final, 
I was working out there, but you could see all the, the television clips of, of, of the excitement that's there. And I think it's important for the nation. And what sort of pub goer are you, Glenn, when you're watching England in the pub? Do you, do you keep your counsel or are you up on your feet? Are you throwing beers around when we score? Uh, perhaps when I was younger, I'd have done that. But uh, no, I think my, my, it's my son. My son's the one that's really pushing me to, to get myself with him down the pub to watch it. And uh, that's quite nice, actually. It's just a nice way for me to experience with my lad. But it's it's great. I just think the atmosphere that we, we need is there and that feel-good factor. And the team have got to start playing a little bit better, for sure, to get that. But um, we must believe, we must stay positive. We haven't even started this tournament yet playing well. And if we do, we might do it at the very right time. Glenn, it's been an absolute treat. Obviously, you're a legend of a manager, a legend of a player as well. So this has been a, a real honour. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, stay safe yourself. Matt, Matt and you. Rock and roll football. Bertie, the psychic shih tzu, says that Wales will beat Denmark. We have no good reason to disbelieve this beautiful animal. But what does Bertie say about England, Germany on Tuesday? Well, he also went up to those two treats and within one second, he went to the left and backed England yes! to win. It's yes! happening! Yeah, it's on. Believe. What better way to know what's going to happen than a dog choosing a snack in a garden? Exactly. It's, it's scientific, certainly. You can take your form tables, you can take your expert opinion, your tactical yeah. analysis. We, as a dog-loving island put our faith in our furry friends and I believe they will repay that faith, Matt Dyson. I believe they will too. Bertie's been getting better and better as the tournament's gone on. He will not let us down. It's coming home. Oh, what a show that was. A pack full of England legends. Three lions. Hoddle, Seaman, Kamara. Yes, three lions. They're so big, you don't even need to say their first names. That's the level we're dealing with on rock and roll football at the moment. Imagine if we just introduced them by their first names. Yes, yeah, Glenn. Earlier I it's caught Glenn. Glenn. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn was saying earlier David. about... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know Glenn. Yeah, 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 you know Glenn knows Glenn. yeah Dave. I mean, what a guy. Um, well, thank you for downloading this. Do leave a review. Um, do tweet us at R&R Football with any of your superstitions in the week to help England beat Germany. We hope, by the time you listen to this, that Wales have beaten Denmark. And, well, we'll see you next Saturday for what is hopefully yeah. a very, very big day for England. It could be huge. Hopefully next next weekend we'll be on course for that big Wales versus England semi-final <gasps> showdown. Cruise oh, control. Yes. Stow away your tray table. Replace your seat to, what is it, to the upright position. <laughs> to the upright like position, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cabin crew, 15 minutes to landing. Ooh, it's coming out. <laughs>